Welcome, fans, to another special episode of Rangers Ed. This is your host, Cousin Ed, here with my co-host. We got Coach Ed in the top left. What's up, Coach? How you doing, fellas? Another shirtless episode for Coach, gracing his presence uh, shirtless for us tonight. Luckily, the camera is only from the chin up, though, so we're good. Uh, we got Little Ed down there. What's up, Little Ed? How we doing, guys? Little little upset from about last night, but uh, I think we're going to move through it and get through a good episode here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And our producer, Mikey. What's up, Mike? What's up, boys? I'm going to bring the camera down a little bit and uh, show you oh, on Team Skins. Shirts against skins tonight. <laughs> right? Well, if it's a wrestling match, I think the shirts are going to lose, mainly because of me. But, uh, yeah, shirts against skins tonight. So, Mike, you had a little trip uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, we went down to uh, good old AC. All the boys gave me a nice little uh, farewell bachelor party before I get to marry the love of my life. We had a good time. We actually went down uh, on Friday, uh, game two versus Tampa. Good thing that uh, Little Ed has a nice uh, working tablet that we were able to stream the game on all the way down. And good thing he's an engineer, too, because he actually hooked it up pretty well. What would you do, set it up at, like, the top of the bus or something so everyone could watch it? I could see it already. Yeah, my iPad's got, like, a a strap on it so I can climb ladders with it and whatever, go to work with it on job sites. So I was able to string it up through the emergency exit, like, latch somehow. And it was was positioned perfectly, but it was rocking back and forth every once in a while. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we we thought we had the bus scheduled for the right time, which would have put us in AC, hopefully right around game time. We ended up getting delayed two hours because of the bus company's miscommunication. And uh, we had to improvise. And I think we made the best of it. Definitely worked out. So yeah, we're able see, to at least it was a good cocktails game. on the bus. At least yep, it, was it was a good, a good game. game to watch on the bus, right? So, yeah, if I watched last game, last night's game on the bus, we'd be a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, look, you know, the Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, last episode, we kind of previewed the series. We're now four games in. It's two games to two. The Rangers held serve at home against Tampa with a 6-2 win while Tampa looked a little rusty. Uh, then a nice uh, nice win, 3-2, against the Lightning in game two. Uh, they gave up that early goal in the power play but responded well with three consecutive goals, and Shesterkin played well, and Rangers held on. They took a 2-0 lead, chance to take a commanding 3-0 lead in game three, up 2-0 in the game. Two power play goals. Tampa comes back, wins it 3-2. And then last night's debacle, a 4-1 Lightning victory. And the series is all tied up, kind of similar to the Carolina series. Everyone doing their thing at home. And we got three left, best of three, two of them at the Garden. Uh, so, look, before we even get into any of these games, you know, I, I, was at, I went to New York for game two and to Tampa for game four. So I got to see both sides of the coin here, a bad loss on the road and a nice uh, victory at home. And I got to observe the crowds. I mean, there is not like nobody compares to the garden. Look, that building was rocking last night for the lightning fans. I'll give them credit, but there was a lot of Rangers chance. There was a lot of Rangers fans interrupting their chance and annoying them. They, they, they hate New Yorkers there. They really do. It's, it's like this one guy had a shirt that said, don't New York, my Florida. And he was sitting like five rows in front of me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And uh, and it had cousin Ed on the back. Yeah. And he, and he kept standing up during the game. And I, at one point, I'm like yelling at him for him to sit down. It feels like don't do that. Don't do. I'm like, why? He's standing. I can't see. You know. 
And then she started yelling at him to sit down <laughs> pretty, soon, pretty soon after that. So, um, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're like obsessed with Igor Shesterkin. You know, I, I feel like all the fans are. You look online and see what the Penguins fans are obsessed with Igor, the Hurricanes were with their, you know, chanting his name and stuff. And it, it was ridiculous. Like every save, they're like, oh, I'm surprised they didn't call a penalty because Igor flopped. I'm hearing these fans talking around me and I'm like, you guys are idiots. You know, all goalies flop, you know, uh, um, we'll get into the Shesterkin flopping uh, during the episode, but they, they just kept bringing him up. And I found it really uh, interesting. I feel like he's that good already that, you know, other teams are, he's the focal point for the, the fan base of the other teams. They just don't like him. Um, and I, I find it odd. Like, I mean, just to bring this up, we'll segue quickly, you know, like Vasilevsky, Coach, like, he's a great goalie. Do you, like, hate Vasilevsky? I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't see the Rangers fans really doing that. They started chanting Igor's better, which which, which was the first mistake they did. Which was one. stupid, really stupid. I didn't partake in that. And I thought that I told fans on the train on the way home from game two, they're like, oh, the Rangers are throwing it five. I'm like, guys, Vasilevsky is Vasilevsky. He's got two Stanley Cups. Like, take it easy. They're like, oh, yeah, but he's off. He's off. If he's playing like this, he, He's not that good. He looked like shit tonight. I'm like, guys. Yeah, but he, he got progressively better each game. I'm like, guys, don't poke the bear. Like, you're poking the bear. Like, we're winning. Just stay quiet. Just chant for Igor. You know, let Igor feel the love. There's no reason to get on Vasilevsky. But I thought that was really stupid. And I think when other fan bases do it, it's stupid also. It's like that Daryl chant coach, like, from the Mets, right? Like, Daryl yeah. with strawberry. So Well, you know, it just goes to the it just goes back to the the whole chirping culture that seems to be. So now the fans feel that they could do it and they don't realize what's going on in the in someone like Vasilevsky's mind that he's just gonna come back strong and he's gonna show. Like you said, he's a two Stanley Cup champion, probably the best goalie in the world right now because of his two Stanley Cups. And uh I mean anybody who thought we were gonna sweep Tampa is insane. Crazy. So, even though Lundquist predicted it, I still thought it was crazy because Tampa's a strong team. And look, they beat Florida in four straight. You think they were going to just roll over for the Rangers? No, I mean, the chanting, the the chirping is crazy. But quick story. So before we, we go there to the bar, you know, it feels like, look, Ed, it's a road arena. Like, don't don't get too rowdy. Like, I don't want you to get into a fight. I was like, I'm not going to get into a fight, man. Like, first of all, I haven't exercised in like a year. So that that's the first, that's number one. All right. Number two, like I'm, I'm an attorney. Like I'm, I'm not going to try and fight. So we go, we go to walk to the arena. Uh, first we go to the bar and there's a Ranger fan there and I just chatting with him. And he's like, well, I think we all can agree that no matter who wins this series is going to lose to the avalanche. Right. This is before the game. And I was like, no, I don't agree with that. And he's like, what, what, like, how can you not agree with that? I was like, well, the goaltending, you know, it'll even it out a little. I think, you know, Colorado's better, but either one of these teams is a better goalie. So you never know. And then he's like, Goalies don't really matter in the playoffs. And I was like, what? I mean, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I disagree. Like, I would have just ended go- the conversation. I was right like, there. well, no, wait, it gets worse. I was like, I think goaltending is pretty worse. important. And he's like, he's like, did you ever play? I was like, yeah. He goes, what level? I was like, juniors. He's like, what league? I was like, the IJHL. He's like, well, I played in the USHL. And I was like, oh, so I guess you know more about hockey than me, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Like, I don't understand. Like, and he's like, no, I'm just saying, like, I just don't think goalies matter. I was like, listen, bro, like, first of all, you're a fat prick. 
<laughs> like you played hockey in the USHL a long time ago. It's very clear. You're not, this isn't a recent thing. And second of all, like, I'm going to go back over there with my wife and like enjoy the game. Like I just walked away. So th- right there, I set the, I set the precedent. Like I'm not looking for trouble. Cause if I was going to fight, it was like, who says that? Did you ever play? What league? What, what level? Like, dude, shut up. <laughs> so, it's so annoying. It's like that. It's it's just disrespectful, honestly. So I walked away. Then we're walking to the arena, and I go to cross the street, and it's like the cops are like directing traffic for the people walking to the arena, and uh, I'm it says walk. The walk signs on. A little white guy with like the in motion walking comes up on the light. So I'm walking, and this cop goes, "Stop, New Yorker, get back!" and like yells at me, and I'm like. <laughs> What, is, what are they doing? <laughs> all these people are like, all these people around are like, hey, be careful out here. You don't want to get arrested before the game. I'm like, this is ridiculous, dude. What is going on? <laughs> I know. I'm like, can I just enjoy this game? Like, feels right. I got to be careful. So it was, it was pretty intense, man. You really have to. It wasn't, like, you, it wasn't like that when we were during the regular season. Nope. You, you got to, like, when you go on the road for a playoff game, I really learned that like, you have to control yourself. Like, the, the fans there are insane. Like they will start if you if you react to everything. There were Ranger fans trying to start fights everywhere. They were they were screaming like it was crazy. Like the atmosphere was nuts. But the Garden, contrasting that game two was electric. Every play I've never seen the Garden like that. I can't remember the last time I went to a playoff game though. You guys went uh, 2015 and 14 and stuff like that, right? You guys went to those Pittsburgh though, but. I mean, I was at game seven versus the Devils. I've never heard it like that ever, but I haven't been there recently like that. Wow. I I mean. It's crazy. I don't even know how to explain it. I really don't. We sat right behind Joe Tollison. Uh, I flew in. I actually went to Coach's house, did some work. I met up with my friend Chris. We went into the, the game early. We go to the Rangers fan zone. And, um, you know, they, we were like, what is this? So we thought they were just selling memorabilia. So we go in, they give us these like cardboard cutouts. And then I'm like, that's Glenn Anderson, I think. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I think that's Glenn Anderson over there. So Matt Toe and Glenn Anderson were like signing autographs. So we get in line. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get Glenn Anderson's autograph and, and Matt Toe's autograph right now. We waited for like 10 minutes. The line didn't move. They, they spent 10 minutes talking to one person and there was about 50 people in line. I was like, we don't have time for this. I'm sorry, but, you know, we got to go. So. Um, I just snapped a picture of Matto and I couldn't get Anderson, but we left. Um, yeah, then we went in early, hit the team store. We went up to the seats. We're right behind the PA announcer, Joe Tollison, all, for all three goals. Uh, I got to watch him record himself on Twitter like he does. I was yelling, you're the man, Joe. Um, national Anthem, Coach, you brought that up. How was the National Anthem? Unbelievable. Not even a comparison. You're right, the two National Anthems. It's not even close. They got to keep Brancy on. He's got to be the guy, I think. You got to sign I think him. he's going to be the guy. I mean, the crowd was insane right after that anthem. And, yeah, the Lightning fans were, too, uh, for their anthem, but it just didn't have the same impact uh, that Brancy's did on the crowd, uh, you know, if you compare it. Um, but, yeah, crazy game. Awesome. We got to see a win at the Garden. It was really uh, unbelievable. But, uh, you know, it, it – this has been an emotional roller coaster this round, right? So let's start off. I mean, every this, round has. It's unbelievable. You know, I just like, oh, we're up 2 0. Like, maybe we can win this in five. You know, I figured we, maybe we could split in Tampa. I would have been happy 3 1 going into game five with a chance to close it out. But, uh, you know, I was just hoping for that. 
And uh, nope, they, they just can't get, they can't do that. Team just doesn't uh, show up when uh, their back's not against the wall, it seems. But anyway, so they start in game one, game two. Coach, what are your, what are your feelings after game two? Honest, not great- now, now. Like, what are your feelings after game two? I mean, I really didn't think we were going to sweep them because the reality is I didn't think it was going to be. I obviously said six games, so I thought we would split in Tampa. I didn't think they would take both. Even so though at it. the end of game two, Tampa was leaning towards almost coming back. They were showing some a lot of life, but I thought the Rangers played really well defensively in both of those games. They took a couple of steps backwards on in the defensive zone uh, the last two games, for sure, a little puck watching, maybe a little overconfidence. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I mean, little Ed, like after game two, right, it's two games to none. Halfway through game three, 10 minutes uh, into the second period, the Rangers are up two nothing with two power play goals. And it's looking like, hey, we hold this lead. We'll be up 3-0. What are you thinking at that moment? At that moment, I'm thinking, I mean, this is almost too good to be true. I can't believe the Lightning are, are really just going to lay down and die like this, especially at home. I mean, we were thinking, yeah, obviously they weren't going to sweep them. Um, we were trying to stay confident. That would have been great. I did hear a lot on NHL on the radio saying that a lot of people were predicting the same thing. That it just seemed like the lightning were running out of gas, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it seemed like we kind of just like poked the bear a little bit, like you were saying about Vasilevsky. And I guess the lightning crowd just really brought them back into it, gave them, a, gave them some life. And once they tied up that game, I was like, this is just not going to be good. You know, it's like, there's no shot they're winning this game type feeling. You know, once they started coming back, I was like, come on, they can't just hold this lead. Just hold the lead, dump the puck. It was just like one thing after another. They slowly to, they slowly started to break down and turn into that like Rangers team that we were screaming about in the other, in the first two rounds, you know, like it just can't be easy. It's got to, they got to make it interesting. They got to start falling apart, turning the puck over, not dumping it in. They're not really hitting anymore. They got to get back into that. So, I mean, they woke up against Pittsburgh. Hopefully the same thing happens. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you had similar feelings, I presume, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, you're sitting there and you're like, this is, this is we're going to be up 3-0. Like, this is a 2 nothing lead. They just called two goalie interference penalties. Tampa's starting to get, you know, run the goalie. They're starting to, like – feel pressure right it's when you start to run the goalie you're trying to change the series like you're trying right. to you're feeling that pressure so i'm starting to feel good i'm like oh they just got to stay in control here and, and we're gonna win this no and they kept it and so the referees were kept calling it too it's not like they were letting tampa get away with it they weren't letting tampa get back into the game like they earned every part of them coming back and the rangers didn't capitalize on the opportunities that they had you know, so well, they got two power play goals that game. Well, they? later on in the game, I'm yeah. talking about when they started running Shesterk and they kept on giving him power plays. And then the one power play, Kucherov had the four minute high stick on, on Zibanejad and Truba takes a stupid penalty. They could have killed off four minutes off the clock right there or scored another goal. Yeah. You know, like their, so their power play was th- hot at that moment. Two things on that. The coach is right on the two goalie interference penalties. Those are the ones the Rangers scored on. They scored on both goalie interference penalties. But the, you're Did right. They called another one later on in the game, though. They no? called one on Vetrano running into Vasilevsky, which, which was bullshit. Which was not a penalty. Yeah, I thought he was cutting to the left. Going back to Kakos when they took the goal away in Pittsburgh, Vetrano was clearly cutting to the left, and the guy pushed him straight in, and he tried to jump out of the way, and they still called it. Yeah, he tried to avoid that contact. What else could he possibly do? So, so you know, let let's talk about this because you brought it up. So the, the penalty on the four-minute power play, 
uh, Jacob Truba took three penalties in game three that really kind of changed the complexion of the game. Right. But, you know, everyone got on him and like, Oh, Truba had a bad game. Truba this. And I'm honestly, I'm one of those, maybe I I'm like, all right, that was a penalty. But the one where his hand was loose and he like pushed the guy and they called that holding. He didn't even grab him. There was no as hold. soon as, as soon as Truba makes one bad play, even some of my friends are texting me like, Oh, Truba's a liability. It's like, he made one bad play the entire game. It's like, dude, you're the one, watching. Well, he he de- probably should be off the power play at this point. I think. Well, you yes, because he doesn't dump the puck in at the right time. He doesn't do a lot of things at the right time. You know, so that's but, a but whatever. Conversation, but yeah, yeah, right. But the five puck on five, he's doing just fine. It's a four minute power play. The puck gets by him on the wall. He turns around. He goes after Kalorn. He he kind of dives and like yeah his stick makes a little bit of contact with Kalorn but but he did not he did not commit a, an infraction Kalorn dropped to his knees like he got shot he didn't he didn't even tug he didn't he didn't make enough physical contact with Kalorn to impede him at all I, I think that was a bad call I really do I think that yeah, it was, I mean, I it was well played by soft. Tampa well played by Tampa uh, they they killed that well too I mean they were physical uh, you know in on that PK but. Um, How about you know, the call against Reeves and uh, with Maroon in this first 17 seconds of the game? What a load of shit that was. That was a ter- – oh, my yeah. God. That was insane. Maroon's goading Reeves the whole time. They tussle. Nothing happened. I, I mean, I was at the game, so you guys watched it on TV. Maybe they showed better replays. I didn't really see anything other than let it go or both of them go. I, I didn't see something where it was like this individual – No, right off the bat, Reeves got him between the legs and he gave him a – we used to call it a whale hook. He gave, him, he gave him a good shot. All right. But well. but if you watched in between periods, which you didn't, Messier and Chelios was like, well, like, this is ridiculous. And they brought on the referee console guy up in the corner of the screen. He's like, well, they feel that they have to settle the score right away, the referees. And Messier and Chelios are both laughing, going, no way I'm giving that a penalty. They just would not let, let it go. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it Messi was a playoff and game. Was a tough playoff game. You, you you cannot do that. Put them both in the box or just blow the whistle and drop the puck. Yeah. Yeah. So um the, the penalty calls were a little weak in that game. I thought uh to enable Tampa to get back into the series, honestly. Uh the Kucherov goal on the first penalty. Um, and then obviously, like Eddie said, the four minute power play that got cut short because of the penalty. That was that was a turning point in that game. Um but, you know, look, the whole Vasilevsky versus Shesterkin thing, let's talk about that, right? So, uh, Ed, you mentioned that I said, oh, don't poke the bear with Vasilevsky. For fans out there that were saying, like, Vasilevsky sucks, you know, I've maintained, even when he gave up the six goals, like, this guy is a world-class goalie. He's a proven winner. Like, don't poke the bear. Like, don't – fans, if you're going to game five or hopefully you – know, or potentially game seven, hopefully not, but hopefully, potentially game seven, do not chant – Igor is better. Don't even bother. Like just, just chant for Igor. Just chant for Igor. Why? Like why? You're just gonna motivate him. You know, like as a player, you know that may make you crumble or it may make you rise to the occasion. Clearly, Vasilevsky is somebody who rises to the occasion. So don't give him that that fodder. Let him sink. Just let him sink and just chant for Igor when he makes a save. Um, but yeah, all the other fans do it too. In Tampa, they were chanting. You know, Igor sucks and stuff like that. It's absurd. It's like you guys are idiots. You know, I hate that kind of crap. Act like you've been there. Yeah, it's Act like, come on, dude. You guys will be a good winner and a good loser. You guys are back-to-back cup champions, you fans, and you're sitting there with 2020 Stanley Cup champions. 
shirts and stuff and, and you're chanting igor sucks it's like, yeah <laughs> you look like an idiot. something better yeah um but anyway let's get into uh, a bigger problem which is the problem of artemi panarin who continues to just be a liability but continues to put up meaningless points so you look at his point total he's got 16 points he's got what five points in this series um two goals three assists Meaningless, all meaningless, all completely and utterly meaningless points. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, he turns the puck over at the blue line. When you're when you see it in person, it's like coach, like you know, how you always talk about you got to watch Fox in person or whatever. I'm watching Panarin with the puck, and he he doesn't he looks like he's not even considering getting it deep and like going. It's just like he gets it. And he's like takes his time. He looks up. He sees it and throws it to the middle. It's like absurd. He's turning it over with these cross eyes passes they're they're obviously defending that and he just will not adjust he will not adjust i don't get it i i cannot believe like truber someone's not getting in his face and saying can you just stop because it's all it's doing is putting constant pressure on the d in the neutral zone and backing up into their zone and over the course of the game like even if tampa doesn't score on every play it's just wearing the team down mentally, physically, and the whole thing. It's putting Shesterkin on his toes, everybody on their toes for no reason. And when he threw nothing, like- dump the puck in and let Mott or whoever go get it or cop or whatever. It's just horrible. And it's yeah, we're not, not like even asking is- him to forecheck. We're just asking to dump it in. That's it. That's it. And then and you can stay chill up out by the defend. blue line. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not he's even good like at that, is... too. He's good at playing like the free safety where he can right. pick passes off and read where the play's going, whatever. No, I'm saying it's not even like this is a part of his game. I mean, when you look at him in the regular season, he had 71 giveaways in 75 games, according to Hockey Reference. In the playoffs, 39 giveaways in 18 games. It's, it's double as many giveaways uh, from the regular season to the playoffs in per game in almost a quarter of the games. Right. So something's going like the games change in the playoffs. That's part of it. But like little Ed, like what exactly is it Panarin? Is it, the, is it Tampa and Carolina and Pittsburgh changing the way they're playing, closing the middle? Is it playoff hockey or like, what is it exactly? Do you think that is causing Panarin to be a turnover machine right now? I think it's definitely a combination of everything you just said. So, I mean, Tampa's definitely – I mean, Cooper's a great coach, and Tampa's obviously a great team. So there's no way they're not going into the game with a game plan at least. So, yeah, Panarin's not playing his best. He's not adjusting. That's the main point. So, But there are, like Coach Ed always says, and Pop, shout out to Poppy O'Neill says, the other team's playing hockey too. So we're kind of watching just the white jerseys or just the – red, white, and blue jerseys. We're not exactly watching what Tampa's doing and keying in on him 100%. But like I just said, no matter what the excuse is, no matter what Tampa's doing or whatever Carolina did, Penguins did, they were able to adjust their game to stop Panarin. So Panarin and Gallant or Truba or the leadership have to adjust Panarin's game to capitalize a little bit. I mean, if they're able to watch film, then so are we, or so are they. You know, like... So, like, like I said, they just have to adjust. They have to do something. It's clearly not working. Every time I'm watching the game, whether the Rangers win or lose, I'm like, that's just not working. It never works in the playoffs. The center of the ice is completely taken away in the playoffs. That you do notice. You have to win games in the perimeter, and that's not like a new thing. You have to win players on the boards, get the puck deep, get behind the defenseman, and that's how you win playoff games on the perimeter. 
Like it, the center of the ice is just not there in the playoffs. Well, you win, you win it on the perimeter and then force it to the middle. Like, right. You have to yeah. capitalize on their mistakes on the perimeter. And hopefully that's like a lot of the Rangers goals is like they, they find the open man in front. Heedle turns around, gets the puck. He's wide open in front, scores a nice goal. Like there's always like, there's, it's not like, it's not a lucky play. It's capitalizing on the very small mistake that's made structurally in the defensive zone. Well, so, but what I'm talking about is really the neutral zone in the playoffs. That well, center the, of the ice is always taken away. The neutral zone. So speaking of that, you know, Matt game four, and I really was able to see the ice because we were up high. So I saw, I saw like an overhead view and you really see what Tampa is doing in the neutral zone. They're, they're trapping. Like, I don't know. It wasn't evident to me on, on TV as much um, in game three. I don't know if you guys notice it, but there was a time that there was multiple plays where Panarin's coming out of the zone. He's got the puck and it's like a line of Tampa players. There's four players between the red line and the blue line in a line in lanes. And you cannot skate through four players with the puck. You have to get it deep and go and get it and retrieve the puck. That, the Rangers are dumping it in more, but they don't get it. They, they're, they're getting hemmed in their zone. They're getting out. They're dumping it and changing. That's what they're doing every shift. So you got if they're going to trap in the neutral zone and prevent the, the pretty plays, you're right. you got to get it deep. you got to get it on the perimeter. And you got to work it around the boards and until you create something. That's the only way to really create any offense against a trapping team. Well, it sounds stupid, it. but it sounds stupid. But they said it, I believe, against the Pittsburgh in the Pittsburgh series. I forget who. They almost you have to practice that dump in. You got to try to make it so the goalie can't get it. You got to try to make it to the weaker side defenseman you want to deal with. There's certain things you got to do. So it isn't just dumping it in. It's figuring out where we want to go, knowing who you're out there with. There's a lot of factors that are involved. And I mean, Panera is one of the craftiest players in the world. You're telling me he can't figure this out. I don't, you know, I just don't see it. He's got to know better. He just is trying too hard or something. I don't know. But I mean, you brought up something else, little Ed, that, a lot of the Rangers goals you said are scored that way. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this one to Mike. The Rangers haven't scored an even strength goal since the bandage early in the third period of game two. So at even strength, they're not doing anything in game three, game four. They haven't done anything to really uh, maybe one or two times. They had a really good scoring chance. Vasilevsky played well in game four. I'll give him that, but like, well, Tampa, they didn't only, really had one even, Tampa only had one even strength in game three. So it's not like they're burning up the world. Well, they did in game four. All right. Well, one game. So I mean, that's well, it's noticeable. It's very noticeable. I mean, so it's focusing on, on the Rangers offensively at even strength. It's a problem right now. If, if the refs are the refs didn't call any penalties against Tampa in game four, I guess they didn't commit any infractions. But if they're on the power play, Mike, you know, what what do we do to get Panarin to generate offense at even strength? It's scary. Um, I, I, I think Eddie made a good point. I, I think it comes down to leadership. I think someone really needs to sit down and talk to him. And if it's not going to be Gallant, then th- this is the reason why you have to have someone in that seat. Because I think I think the team is lacking leadership because I feel like somebody should have said something to him by now. And I, I think that's what he needs. Uh, He's a leader. Supposedly. No way. No way. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I just don't know if Panarin's the type of guy that's really going to care about someone wearing a C and saying something. He doesn't seem like he would care about that. But another another problem with Panarin coach, Ryan Strom, injured in game three. 
he leaves the game on a, an awkward play, a little cross check to the back by Palat, not really much there. Um, and it looked like his knee locked up or his lower back locked up. I have no idea. They're calling it a lower body injury. Uh, he tries to gut it out and he warms up for game four, both he and Rooney were on the ice, but he ends up not going. Rooney draws into the lineup. If Strom can't go, uh, you know, it, cre- it creates some lineup problems for the Rangers. You know, I, if it's not going to be Strom there, like, you know, we're, we talk about the future and I always say Strom's not going to be there, but for this team right now, uh, it, it lengthens the lineup to have Strom and Kopp there with, with Panarin on the second line. So what did they do? They put Kopp with, uh, what, Gaudreau and, and Panarin? Is that I what they did? I don't see that being that bad. That's what they had. I mean, I think I think that the, the problem I have is that uh, Tampa is shutting down the Zibanejev line with the matchups, so Panarin should be shining more. That line's got to step up and make some action. If they're shutting down Zibanejad, they can't have a checking line against every one of our lines. So that's fair. But at the same time, you're now down Ryan Strong, right? So I understand that. But Goudreau is is an an adequate replacement for Strong where they shouldn't be getting dominated. Not offensively. No, I disagree with you. Offensively. You got Cobb there who's got offensive ability. He's putting up points as much as Strong. So Goudreau is a good winger for that line. He's adequate as far as a forecheck. If you throw it into his corner, he's going to go in and get it. He's not going to just glide in. He's also hobbled right now, too, right? Well, so, I mean, he might so, not be the same good draw. No, what's your answer? We're not bringing Kratz off in, so don't even say it. I didn't say that. I'm, I don't have an answer. I think it's a problem. I think it, I think it's a, it's a dangerous problem for the Rangers. You know, if, if Strom can't go and Panarin's not going to, you know, Panarin, for, for all his flaws, he, he, likes, he likes his guys on his line. He trusts Strom. That's why Strom hasn't been moved off that line yet. That's the only reason is because Panarin. So what is he going to do if they don't sign him? Well, he's going to have to find chemistry (laughs) with another guy, right? That's the thing. But it's hard to do that in the midst of the Easter Conference Finals versus from game one of the regular season. It's a little easier. You build that chemistry over time, right? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a problem. And it's compounded uh, by Philip Heedle, who now has an upper body injury, probably a concussion. From a little hit in the corner, it was a little hit. I mean, I saw him going to the boards. They, I saw it on Twitter. They said, this is the play that injured Heedle. I don't know what the hell is hurting him from that. It really just looked like a regular hit. No, it didn't look like his head hit the boards or anything. So why are you little, saying it's a concussion? Well, I mean, when they call something an upper body injury and a player doesn't return, I just automatically go to concussion. I don't know. I don't know what else it could be. Like, it could be a shoulder. Okay, well, then you would play. He would play with a shoulder injury, a rib cage, maybe. Would he, though? Yeah, no shot. I mean, all these guys would. They're all in the NHL, man. They tape it up, they come back out. Come on. Are you going to say Heedle's like a a but the rest of the team is tough? He's injured five times a year. You don't have to say that word, so Mike's got to bleep it out now, but I was going to say he's soft. He's injured five times a year. He got hit barely, and he doesn't come back in the game. Lindgren's hurt a thousand, literally 1,000 times this playoff series or this playoff whatever run, and he's just back out there every shift, no matter what. Gujo's you know, coming back. It's funny. He's Heedle... probably broken again. He's playing. I can't. He, you want to talk about Heedle right now? I can't. You want to talk about dumping the puck in and not going to get it? He is coasting into the offensive zone, and as soon as the defenseman goes to hit, he backs off and lets the defenseman get the puck. So, yeah, he's soft or he's been hurt this whole time, either one. But you want to talk about that? That's it. Like, I, I, I'm fired up about him. I'm done. I gave him a chance. He played really good games one and two, three and four, invisible again. 
No, no, I, I gotta say this honestly. It's it's a or little three bit, invisible. It's a little bit ridiculous that Heedle's on on an epic run for a young player in the playoffs, Dude. setting records for twenty two and younger for in Rangers history. And I can't get you guys to say a good thing about it. Did him. you watch the game when they were well, dumping the puck in and well he was done. literally I, laying the defense? I watched it. He didn't play well in game three. And, and game four, he got hurt. But I mean, up, until, inexcusable. up until that point, the kid's been on an epic run historically for Rangers under the age of 22. And I couldn't get any of you to really say anything good about it. I said he had one foot out of the doghouse. I struggled great, to get that out of you guys. I had one had a foot great out of two the games And then he gets hurt. Playoff run. A, play, I, a great two games. He gets injured. It doesn't return. <clears throat> and you guys are fired up and want him off the team? Like I didn't, say, I didn't that. say fire off the team. I wanted to forecheck a little bit harder if he had so much energy as a 22-year-old and on this unbelievable run. Like you, you how do you how do you, you score two goals? Done. How do you, you score two goals? I am. How do you score two goals in game two and then just not come out and play at all in game three? I don't know. At all. Maybe at because all. he's like everyone else. How does Strom only have two goals all playoffs? You know, how does Panera Strom does a lot of over? other things on the ice that he doesn't do, and one of them is at least try to play in game four. <laughs> I, that's it. Like I, I don't can't know what else with the, I don't Is he know. going to come out for the warm up in Game Five? I don't know if he has we'll a see. concussion or not. We'll see what his injury is. I, I don't mean. know why you say concussion. I saw the hit. His head wasn't. Involved it was at all. speculated on Twitter by people in the know that Heedle might have been concussed. That's why. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, you think I just make it up? Yeah. Like, you just said. I just assume. You just said. Well, I, I, just just, I just assume that it's when, a concussion. I always assume. Said. I always assume it's concussion when I hear upper body injury and a player doesn't return. When those two things happen i assume concussion no that that's just you're right i did say that and i do that but i also saw that speculated because i was at the game so i wasn't watching it when you texted me heedles out i was like oh yeah i haven't seen him in a while that's true like i didn't even realize that he left the game i, I wasn't you know i'm at the game watching it. it's different you're not, when you're on tv they're, they're saying things they're showing replays it's a little different but yeah i don't know dude like the heedle comments right now are a little you guys are a little fired up about heedle calling him soft leaving the game like the guy's in the NHL, man, and he's he's on an epic run. Like, just enjoy one of our young first round picks being successful. Don't, don't root it against him. It's I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot in game two for sure. I enjoyed it's, it a lot. Trust me. I, I was think the it's first just one more. cheering. I was the first one fired up for him. But the coming back from that, it's like how, like they're it's, interviewing him and stuff. It's just like whatever. He had his, he had his moment in the spotlight. He, he should like, be interviewed. He's getting national attention for what he's doing. <laughs> That's so he should be interviewed. And you should give him credit and be like, hey, good for Heedle. You know, maybe I was wrong about Heedle. Maybe that could be said. Maybe Instead, it's like, no, he's soft. He coasts. <laughs> he coasts. He's why you the coach wouldn't have said anything good about him. He doesn't like I him. said he had one foot out of the doghouse. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Uh coach was Heedle's biggest fan after game one. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I, I think I think it's just frustrating. I, I think it's super frustrating when he does go on these runs and he, he is making all this noise and everyone's talking about him, but it's the little things that we all notice that's not consistent. Well, we don't all – us three notice. Eddie doesn't notice. I think he's been buzzing all playoffs. <laughs> I thought game three he didn't play well, but I didn't think any – the whole team didn't really play well except on the power play. Look, I'm, yeah, not, blaming him, 50 I'm shots. not blaming him for the loss, but now we have another void at center. Right, that's that was the initial reason I brought up Heedle, but we got on a little tangent here about I don't know. I'm just kind of shocked at you guys' responses, but anyway, so he's soft. So now we don't. So he's soft. Okay, so uh, so is Strom. So Heedle and Strom are not in going into Game Five. Possibly now what? Right. So we got what do you move? Cop to center, right? You got to move Cop to the center clearly, and then 
if Gaudreau is the wing on that line with Panarin, who's the third line center? Rooney? Would you draw Brodzinski in? Like, who's playing third line center? That creates a pretty big hole, I think, if both of them can't go. So at least one of them hopefully is back. And then we'll, we should be able to fit Rooney into the lineup maybe and, and deal with it. But well, Sammy it. Blake could also be close to being back. And then you got Goudreau, Rooney, and Kyle. I forgot. I forgot about Blake, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. So what you sent something about that today. Ed. What did you send? Um, they reported that he was skating with like a normal jersey on full contact in practice. A little gamesmanship or you think there's a real chance he comes back? Um, I mean, it wasn't like an official statement from Gallant or anything. It was kind of just like one of the hosts on the radio show that I listened to saying that he got like information. So I don't know. Could have got information from a gamesmanship person. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Blay, right. And we talked about, could he come back before the series? And I think we were all generally in agreement that it's unlikely, right. With a torn ACL and the recovery time. What about Hunt? Hunt is another option. Yeah. I, I honestly would consider putting Hunt in for Reeves at this point um, to get a little more speed on that fourth line. I don't think Reeves is playing bad or anything, but I, I think he uh, he, should, you know, he could be hitting a little bit more, and and his his foot speed is showing a little bit in this round. He might be getting a little tired. Yeah, spell him. I'm not saying bench him for the rest of the playoffs or anything. Just give him a game off and put Hunt in at home, and like, let's get some speed. And for Hunt's hits, he forechecks hard. He's fresh legs. I think that might be an option. Um, I think Rooney's going to have to draw in if Strom or Heedle are out though, because you need that center. So. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, but it's talking about the lines, uh, coach. Last game, uh, did you guys? Well, you watched it on TV. I, I started noticing the lines changing some point in the game. Um, was that after Heedle got hurt that he started shuffling the lines, or did he do it to generate offense? What were they he saying? He did it before. He did it before, right? So he had Zabanaj yeah. with Panarin, um, and I forgot who else. Oh, Vitrano maybe. Which I don't necessarily put, agree with. Put Kreider with Cop. I was like, what, what is he doing? Like, I, yeah. I, I don't like those line combos. Kreider and Zibanejad got to be. Look, good. he goes for his gut instinct. They asked him in the post-game interview when he said he's been doing it all year. When when he feels the team is needs to get a little push, he's got to do something to change it up. So that's a coach's yeah, I, instinct. I would put Panarin up there, up there with Kreider and Zibanejad. I wouldn't like put Kreider. I don't think Kreider's good enough to just all of a sudden play with Cop, but. I'm not out there with at practice and stuff, I guess. It's kind if of having go, like two of the same players on the same line in a way. If you put Panarin with Zibanejad right now, you're neutralizing Zibanejad the way Panarin's playing, in my opinion. Right. Like, I, I want Zibanejad away from Panarin unless he's getting a one-timer on the power play. I don't want him with Panarin. Well, that one they had a couple of shifts that almost seemed like a power play. I mean, I mean, they that, did get some chances at the end of each period. I felt like the last two minutes of each period, they were buzzing. We were trying saying to, we had the push, momentum at the end of every period. Yeah, the end of the game, they, they pressured at the end of the second, maybe two or three minutes of chances uh, and the end of the first. But generally speaking, uh, in these games three and game four, uh, Mike, did you notice, you know, Tampa's players collectively really impo- they imposed physical play on the Rangers I just felt like the Rangers didn't answer it. You know, they kind of accepted the physical punishment. It, it didn't McDonough, right? Ruda, all these guys offensively, Maroon, Bogosian, uh, you know, Kalorn. I just felt like every time the Rangers touched the puck, they were hit and they were coughing it up and they did not return that favor in the offensive zone on Tampa. What, what did it, you see? Yeah, it wasn't matched. The intensity level wasn't matched. And I feel like that was like the main point that you were texting us throughout the whole game. 
and I did see it. You know, Reeves de- definitely looked slow out there. No one's throwing the body. Actually, Kreider, Kreider did throw a nice hit in the middle of the ice last night. But other not than enough. that, maybe yeah, one not, or two. Maybe one or two. Not cut it. But little, Ed, in games one and two, I, we, we were saying the opposite. We were saying the Rangers were imposing their physical presence on Tampa, right? We were, they were hitting. So how do you go from playing? I just don't understand that. How do you play a game where you're being physical and it's successful, and then the next game you just stop being physical? Like, I can understand you lose the game. There's two teams playing. I get all that, Coach. I know you're, what you're going to say. I understand that. But, like, the style of play, hitting, like, you just don't do it? Like, you're just like, ah, oh, we're up 2-0. I'm not going to hit this game? Like, I don't understand. Like, it was successful. It, it was creating turnovers. Tampa couldn't – didn't have an answer for our speed and physicality. And then all of a sudden, we don't have an answer for theirs? It's strange. It's like – Well, it's like Eddie said before. Cooper came up with a plan. They executed it. The Rangers were dumbfounded. And before you knew it, I mean, they did outshoot Tampa last night, I believe. So, they were getting pucks to the net. But the physicality was letting Tampa break out of the zone. They had a, to me, that game, they had two mental lapses that blew the game. One was letting Maroon get that goal, which was totally ridiculous. Braun should have nailed that guy instead of trying to poke check him. It wasn't like it was Kucherov. Lack of physicality. Lack of physicality. That was the first mistake. Braun's been playing well, but that was a mistake. Not covering Maroon. Rooney was puck watching. Maroon went right by him. You got to, they did not do that in the first two games. Yeah, Tampa got very got few rebounds. And after then the second walked, the second just... big mistake was giving Kucherov that breakaway. That was ridiculous. That was oh horrible. Watching that happen, I saw it from a mile away. I horrible. just sneaked horrible. right in between. It was unbelievable. Um, so, so little Ed, even though I posed the last question to you and I kind of pushed it on coach after, I'll give you this one. Does does Galantis need to make an adjustment for game five now? Because it looks like Cooper adjusted, right? So the Rangers imposed their will on Tampa. Went up 2-0. Cooper's calm. He adjusted. They're playing a trap. They're playing physical. How, what, what does Galan have to do to get the Rangers to adjust now? I think that's what we have to look forward to, right? You want to be positive? You tell me I'm always negative, right? So here's our <laughs> chance to be positive, right? Going to game five, six, and seven, you got to think Galant's going to adjust, right? Well, Galant's uh, – he keeps saying that we just got to keep playing our game. And I think that's the most important thing is that they were playing their game, even though they scored the two power play goals in game in game three. I mean, they were still playing their game to draw those penalties and they were still creating chances. They were still creating momentum, <clears throat> causing the lightning to take those penalties and to break down a little bit. And then game four, they just completely forgot everything that they've been doing for the last three games or three and a half, whatever, three and three quarter game, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, I think they, they don't really have to change anything because they just – what they were doing was shutting down the Tampa players, and that's just playing hard and kind of beating Tampa at their own game. And that's just not what they were doing. I know I went off went off on Heedle. I'll be the first one to say my boy Heats, if hopefully he comes back and scores a goal, I'll be the first one to say it. But it was really the whole team where it's like you just said, how does it make sense where they're all going out hitting, they're all buzzing, they're all throwing four checks, they're all – getting that go getting after that loose pop winning the battles on the perimeter and then they just go and they for some reason they had like this mental lapse or like okay we're just going to go into tampa and walk over the lightning two times defending champs it's just not going to happen and i was shocked like i said to hear it on the radio too i'm like these are professional nhl analysts saying that the range is going to sweep the lightning at home two games in a row like maybe one game if we're lucky well that's how much we overmatched them in the first two games 
right? Right. I mean, and that's was, how much it, we overmatched them. That we people only beat were actually three two in a second, right? Yeah, but they, they were we, showing life at the end of that game. We should have won by more than three two. I understand, but the trend was going towards Tampa in that game. We well, had to so, fight it off at the end. So that so that brings up my next question. Anyway, it's a good point, Coach. At the end of game two, Tampa scored that late goal. They almost tied it on the stamp close play. Right. How so when you listen to these interviews, all the players and coaches say momentum doesn't go game to game. It's one game at a time. Uh, it doesn't transition in the series. The new game. Uh, how much do you buy that? Because as a fan, you can kind of look back at a series and you can say, no, the momentum shifted there. The game like maybe uh, uh, hypothetically, I'm not saying this happened, but Carolina started with momentum against the Rangers and the Rangers took it back and then Carolina got it back and, and finished the series. Right. So something like that, you can kind of look back and see that. So I don't know if I necessarily buy that. It doesn't carry over from game to game. And that's what concerns me right now. Um, that's why I was telling Phil at the end of the game, uh, game four, I was like, no, they need to score. They need to prevent a shutout. She's like, why, who cares? I'm like, cause they just need a goal. They need to get good feelings going into game five so they can carry that into game five. Um, so yeah, Panarin scored. I said it was a meaningless goal, but you know, looking at it like that, maybe it wasn't so meaningless. But coach, well, do they you, still, it's, do you it's buy still, that? I'm sorry. No, I, do you, I, I think it gives you look. First of all, at every level, it's all about what's between the ears. Just like we talked about with Panarin, he's got to know when to dump it in. It's all who's going to do it. So a lot of players, like say Braun, he might be dealing with that play and losing sleep over it that he didn't make that hit. So now he's all he's. He's holding the stick a little tighter. He's a little hesitant on the poke check. So as far as that goes, I say, yes, it does. Maybe not the whole team, but there are certain players that may not be strong enough mentally that it hurts more than others. And there are certain players that are going to say, we're going to go get them and kick their ass when we come to the garden. So I don't know. It could be up in the air. I don't see it as a definitive saying momentum is in Tampa's favor. Now they're going to come back and beat the Rangers two in a row. It's a, it's a cat and mouse game where the Rangers need to shut that momentum down and hopefully it starts at the national anthem. Well, yeah. So you're talking about going forward, but just generally speaking, uh, when you're playing the same team, so many games is the question. Like little Ed, like they're playing, they played four straight games against the lightning. Now it's going to be a fifth straight game. Uh, it kind of can be, well, I don't want to say this definitively, but could you view it as like one big game with momentum changes within it? Or do you really think that, no, put that in the past, burn the tape. You know, coach is saying it's individual to each player. Um, but, I mean, don't you think as a team it, the vibe could ch- uh, transition into the next game? It's It's got to be. It's nearly impossible to forget, obviously, everything that happened in the game before or even what happened in, like, game one of Pittsburgh and stuff. Like, So, like, Lindgren's definitely thinking in the back of his mind, like, all right, I'm not going to stand in front of the net and try and block a shot in overtime, just let Chester Chester can have it. So, yeah, like, certain things where it's not necessarily momentum, it's more of, like, I'm never going to forget that again for the rest of my career type thing. Um, But at the same time, I think it's important, like you were saying, that the the Rangers did were able to score at least one goal at the end of the game. I was hoping they were going to get at least two because that would have been obviously even bigger, even if they lost the game. I think it's it's still something like, yeah, Tampa's got the confidence right now, but they're like, shit, we probably should have got Vassy that shutout. Even though it really doesn't matter that much, I doubt Vassy cares. It really, They won the game, but it's still a little bit in the back of their minds, like, damn, we could have had that shutout. Or now don't take a might, penalty, right? Oh, can't right. take penalties, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, we can't give the Rangers a single power play, you know, so, like, especially at home. So, like, something like that, you don't want to call it momentum. You want to call it, like, a thought or, like – 
I don't know. Like you're not going to forget like a nightmare almost. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that begs the question. So what do we think is going to happen tomorrow night, right? 8 PM at the garden two, two series now, best of three. Um, you know, Mike, it, do you think that we're going to see a repeat of the intensity levels of game four, or, or do you think um, maybe the Rangers will be more intense or e- or do you think the teams will be equally intense? Like, what do you think is going to, I'm not saying who's going to win because what, what the hell, I, I don't even want to do that. Like, I just want to see them fight. I want not fight like Reeves fights. I'm talking about, I want to see them hit skate, try put pressure. If they lose, they lose, but I don't, I don't want to drive to Tampa for five hours, you know, and go sit there and feel like the team isn't even trying. And, and at times it felt like that in game four. So what do you think is going to happen in game five? I think they're going to come out like they did game one against Pittsburgh flying because they have no choice. This is a must, must win game for the Rangers if they want to continue. So I think their backs are on the wall. I think they know that. And I, I think Gallant's going to reiterate that to them. So I think the intensity level is going to change, and I think they're going to come out flying, especially that first shift. It, it all starts with that for, first shift. And little Ed, what do you think? Like you said, I think uh, I, I I just want an effort. I want them, like Mike just said, to come out flying, put the puck in the in the corner, forecheck, bang the defenseman a little bit, make them pay. And hey, if Vasilevsky throws up a fifty goal, fifty uh, save shutout, then at least we could say the Rangers gave it their all. You know, so. Hey, if we're going to lose, we better lose to Vasilevsky, not the Lightning. You know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, I keep hearing, uh, you know, fan, a lot of fans after the first two games were like, oh, Rangers in four, Rangers in five, like you guys were saying. Now all the Rangers fans are like, oh, the series is over, we lost. And it's like, guys, can we just not do this? You know, like It happened every series. I know, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's frustrating because as fans, you know, we're not playing, we're not on the team, we don't know what's going on inside the locker room. And we just want to win. So we have to wait 48 hours for the next game, right? Or whatever, 45 hours for the next game. So we're stressed out about every loss. And we're excited about every win. It's hard to be level-headed. It sometimes takes a day to absorb it and, and get ready for the, you know, mentally as a fan for the next game. But I think that what we, all we really want is like, we're saying is just go out there and lay it all on the ice. If they don't do that in game five and they lose, they're done in six. They're not winning game six in Tampa. If they go out there and they and they work their ass off and they lose the game, they could still win. You know, they can win game six and game seven. I, I have I'll have confidence in that. It'll be stressful, but I, you know, I want to see the team fight for it. And because you know, the Lightning are a team, they're not going to give the Rangers a win. You know, the Rangers have to take it from them. They they're they have to go and take it from the Lightning. They're not going to make a mistake or give them a, you know, the game by not, not showing up. It's not going to happen. Coach, you I, think that any chance the lightning don't have, aren't intense in game five? No way. Right. So first of all, first of all, people are forgetting one of the biggest turning points was Cooper's decision to go back to 12 forwards, which in the first two games, I was in shock. I think I said it to Eddie at least once. I can't believe it. And it just pushed, put a lot of pressure. Talk about mixing up lines. That's very difficult. All right, uh, stamp coach, you go out with this line. You go out with that one. It's it, it takes a flow out of the game. You know, it happens. You just said it before with an injury. Oh, now what do we do? So you're doing that the whole game, and you got one defenseman playing three minutes. What's the sense to that? I'd rather I'd rather risk one D getting hurt playing with five personally, than than mix up four lines. That's my opinion. 
You only say that because you played D and you liked when there was five D. I do like that. I like coaching like that too. I like having one through five. I think it's better. It gets your better defenseman out there more often, which they're going to get the minutes anyway. You're not playing that six defenseman that much anyway. So yeah. get your 12 forwards and keep a, a flow of the game. In my opinion, that was one of the big turning points. So you bring in, you're right. It was a turning point and it definitely, um, putting together that Sorelli line because uh, he had Sorelli initially on the first line with Kucherov and then broke it up uh, or with Stamkos and then broke it up and put Stamkos and Kucherov together and made Sorelli a checking line that those two decisions, I think combined were big uh, turning points in the game. But, you know, when you look at uh, the time on ice, you know, you bringing that up for defensemen, I want to bring it up for forwards for a second. And I don't know if I'm just being annoying. I'm sure you guys will say I am. But the kid line has been a huge topic of conversation. You know, Lafreniere has been playing great. Uh, Kako has been really good also. I mean, his possession numbers are through the roof. I know he doesn't have the finishing ability right now, and maybe he's a little bit of, uh, like we said, like a beta. Um, but he played 10 minutes. Kako played 10 minutes in game three. Um, and in game four, I think he played like 11 minutes or something. And, you know, I – I don't know why they're not playing more because they're, they're getting in the zone and creating chances when they're on the ice at five on five. And that's what we're lacking. Right. So you think it's the, the special teams little led, like maybe the power play and penalty kill is kind of screwing that up. And then that's why they're not getting on the ice. Or do you think that Gallant is kind of holding them back and saving matchups? Cause it's definitely not like, Oh, I'm not going to play them. I, I highly doubt the coach is sitting there. Like I'm not going to play them, but there's gotta be reasons why they're not getting on as much. What do you think? Well, in game four, I think it was a lot of like desperation where they were just trying to put out the most offense as possible. Um, so like, it, it, it's hard to say that maybe they, he just doesn't really trust that like they could, there's certain lines where you're just like, you think that they, you could just put them out there and they'll get you a goal. I mean, yeah, sure. The kids line right now, they're playing great. I mean, they have been playing great. Um but like, it's not necessarily like, okay, you can put them out there and like, okay, there's a 75% chance they're going to score. Like, it's just, they're not there yet. So I think it has something to do with that, where like game four was a lot of desperation. They were trailing the entire game. They tried to have Zibanejad out there as much as they could, Panarin for whatever reason, as much as they could. Um, but like you said, Kako has been playing really well. I think he makes excellent decisions with the puck. Like, barely he'll make like a stupid turnover or like, not dump the puck in when he should or something like that. And to bring up what we were talking about before, what I was saying before about the perimeter, everyone's talking about the shift. Everyone's making the shirts, the shift. Look at that shift. And how did that shift go? Everything was just hard work, cycling, pucks deep when they didn't have anything else. The other player went to go get the puck because he knew there wasn't anything else for his linemate to do. There was no fancy plays. There was no special little drop passes. It was just hard work around the perimeter until Tampa broke down but we're too tired to even do anything and they took advantage of it. So hard work like that is going to score goals. And hopefully Gallant realizes that and gives him a little bit more time and, and a little bit more energy in uh, game five, especially at home, because you know, the Ranger fans are going to be cheering when they, when they do something good. I think a lot of it has to, I think a lot of it has to do with the matchups too. Gallant's trying to get Zibby out there without Tampa's match. So now right. he ends up getting another 30 seconds here, another 30 seconds there you know, pull them off. So a lot of it's that game playing too. I mean, I don't know what their time was in the first two games. I'm sure well, it's it was kind a lot of more, more desperation. Yeah. It's more desperation. If, if the Rangers are winning by a goal or two, then they don't really care about the matchups as much. 
or right. in the opposite direction. In our direction, it matters more where you could throw at the kids line where they're just going to keep getting a deep for an, a minute and a half and shave time off the clock. Yep. You're not necessarily worried about them scoring. If they score, hell yeah, it's a bonus. But if they don't, great, we shaved a minute and a half off the clock. And now that Heedle's out of the lineup, they're not going to score at all. Right. I mean, Heedle's the shooter on that line, so it's a big loss. But Laffy uh, had a nice chance that he, he didn't finish, which I was surprised. He yeah, finishes. He had a he's, nice chance. He's playing well. He's been playing well all postseason. Though. I mean, last but, night in that game, there was a couple of chances Zippy had on a one-timer, too. If that one goes in, the game's different. I don't think they were that far off. I know it seems like Tampa dominated, but if he would have put one of those in in the second period, the game's different. Well, the thing is, the Rangers have dynamic talent. So when they're when they're not intense, when they're not playing up to par, you know, they still get those chances. And, you, and they if they capitalize, you're right. Maybe it changes the tide. But I don't I, they got chances, but I'm not surprised by that. They're going to get chances even, you know, most games. But the intensity level is what I'm talking. It just wasn't. Yeah, the same. I, yeah I agree. It wasn't. But the sometimes same. when you put that puck in, it, it raises the intensity level. A little. Right. It's all That's mental. True. Like I said before. If That's that true. game's two nothing and Zippy puts one in, now they're a little more pumped. Now you come out with the next line, they're pumped. But when when he misses the net, it goes the other way, and they get a scoring chance. Like oh shit, you know. I mean, look, I just I just look at the the time on ice after every game because I get curious who's playing more or whatever. And I, when I see Ryan Strome play at seven twenty two and left with an injury, I would expect Kako's time on ice to increase or Lafreniere's or you know somebody to get more ice time. Um, all of them really to get more ice time. The only one who increased was Heedle because he got Strom's power play time, right? He played, ended up playing the right wing on the power play. So I, I don't know. I mean, what the hell do I know? I, I could sit here and nitpick Gallant. He's really, uh, like you said, Eddie, uh, through text, he's really been uh, able to get them to respond uh, when they face adversity all season. The team has done it. They're facing it now. I think that as fans, we just got to go in to game five, get ready to watch it, get our bourbon ready, you know, get our, our vices ready, whatever, and just enjoy it and hope that they come out ready to play. And, you know, I think I, th- I personally think they will. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think we're going to see a much better effort in game five. They know it. They're all, they're all up there. They know it. I mean, they, you're right, Ed. You said it via text, uh, even though I was laughing because you said it was too negative. But you were right after that. You said all playoffs, they have been responding. Can you guys just like stop? And I'm like, yeah, it's true. Like they have, you know, you got to give it to them as a team. They face adversity a few times, um, you know, through, down three, like one, down, down, two, oh, down two, oh, down three, one, down three, two, all types of combinations of adversity. And we're not down right now. We're, we're tied. Right. So right. it's still, it's still adversity, but we're okay. And, uh, hey, listen, hopefully next time we record, we're talking about how we match up against the Avalanche. But uh, I guess we'll have to just wait and see. So I was going to say before we were talking about, like, how we are as fans, and, like how the, the players are preparing and stuff. Like every morning on, like, a game day, I wake up, I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. Like I can't imagine how the players are feeling just, like, shot. Like just, yeah, they're, they're worried just, about their pregame naps and shit. Yeah, I'm like, there's no oh, way I, I would be at the rink at like 10 this o'clock in the morning. Yeah, how do they take naps during playoff games, dude? I don't know. Danico said it's impossible. He goes, he goes, your playoff, your pregame naps, you can't, you're tossing and turning, you can't even sleep. He said that well, I was watching him in an interview. He goes, you just don't do it. That's all you're thinking about is the game before. Who I got to cover? You're what? like dreaming about it. You know, he's just dreaming. 
What a, what a life though, that you have a job that you get to take a nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> God, I wish I could do that. There's so many times it's like 2 PM and I'm just like, Oh, I want to take a nap right now. It's um, so bad. <laughs> it's just, need a, I need a pregame nap too. Um, anyway, so I want to shout out a couple of people. I want to shout out Rick, um, who we met in Tampa last time we went, we met up before the game at Harpoon Harry's had a couple of drinks and uh, he's a listener now. So I want to shout out Rick and his wife. Thank you so much for meeting up with me. I had a lot of fun. And uh, I want to shout out Katie Corso for getting those tickets to game two and uh, you know, allowing me to, to join uh, Chris at the game and to uh, meet your kids. And thank you for putting all that together. I had a lot of fun and I'm ready. I'm ready for game five now. So anyone want to get me tickets to game five, you know, I'm taking donations for that one since everybody's donating me these tickets. So you may worry about losing your job after the last game. I know. I I really am. I'm I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. So (laughs) I'm flying. I'm flying on Friday, driving on Tuesday, these games. And I'm just like, "Ah, I got to work. Like, how am I going to do this? So I was kidding around. But um, no, listen, I, I'm lucky enough that I have a job that allows me to be flexible and, uh, you know, I get my work done. But hopefully the Rangers get their work done. Let's put it go, boys. I think they'll come out buzzing. I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, one thing we didn't mention before we wrap up, uh, I want to shout out Tyler Mott. I just think Oh, man, that guy's great. He had a great game, game four. Um, he played, I think, three or four minutes PKing. He single-handedly killed a penalty, I felt like, one of the ones in the second or third period. Yeah. His effort and intensity was there. It it was there. But he's the only one, I think, in that game that I saw. And, look, he's been been great. I would love to re-sign him. Hopefully they can find the money to keep him because he's a valuable player. So I just want to give him a little love, too. A little interesting tidbit on him. I was watching NHL, and his one of his childhood buddies was uh, being interviewed as a pitcher on the Padres. He's from Michigan as well. And they were asking him all kinds of questions about when they were growing up, playing roller hockey, going in the basement, shooting pucks, and all kinds of cool, you know, cool stuff of them growing up. Did he, and Lingering comes from a family of goalies, Joe. Oh, yeah. What happened with that? <laughs> did anybody else hear that? No, but I, I still think just about to make a lingering joke. <laughs> I still think I heard him say his mother was a goalie. I'm sorry. And, and oh, you weren't even this. You were at you were at the game, so you didn't hear it. No, Ray Ferraro know. said it, I think. Ray Ferraro no, said it McDonough, that Lingren comes from a family of goalies. Well, his brother's a goalie. Yeah, he goes, his brother's a goalie, his father's a goalie, his sister's a goalie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Micheletti must have been feeding him the notes. <laughs> I saw they interviewed Micheletti on NHL Network. Um, yeah, I saw that random, too. Oh, I didn't random. see that. Yeah, it was like a random interview. It was funny. And he was, he was talking about how good Tampa is. He was like at the game. He was they were yeah. he was like outside the arena or outside the boards. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, boys, get your superstitions ready. Fans, uh, enjoy the games. And next time we record, we'll either be uh you know reminiscing about the season or looking forward to the Stanley Cup finals. So wait a minute, maybe that's why they lost. Did you have the uh well, you, the, the little no. Lego things or whatever you call them? I did for <laughs> game three. I had them for game three, but not game four. The vigil you're talking about. Yeah, what do you call those things again? The Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> bobbleheads. <laughs> they're bobbleheads. But you know what? I did I did wear the socks that I've been wearing at all playoffs, and they're like wool. 
Those socks you got me, Ed, the red, the blue ones, they're like wool socks. So I'm at the game. 95 degrees. I'm at the game in 95 degree weather walking there. My feet are sweating. In I got a jersey. Blue, I got these blue uh, wool or whatever, thick cotton socks on with those white sneakers. They're not wool. I must have looked like a complete moron, but I wore them to the game because I wanted to. Um you know, I wanted to keep my. Wait, did you have your Louis Vuitton sneakers on? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm still looking like an idiot for wearing those sneakers with those socks. I'm sure people noticed, but uh, anyway, let's go, Rangers, boys. All let's right, go, boys. Rangers. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's get it done. All right, Good night, boys. fellas. Good night, guys. Good night, Enjoy boys. the games. Love you. Love you guys.